Chen, Ms. V. S. Prakash is the founder of founder and CEO of Sea Change Consulting based company at Chennai. Sea Change specializes specializes in helping SMEs and mid cap companies to realize their dreams and goals. He has helped countless organization in such turnaround process. Ms. Pragash is an accomplished person on academics, professional management, and spiritual dimension. He's a strategic thinker and has done extensive work in the area of areas of nation building. His revolutionary work, well known as Glorious India, speaks a lot of his visionary. He's a gold medalist in graduate post graduation and also holds several professional diplomas in the areas like marketing computer science sales six sigma nlp he practices heartfulness meditation since 1992 he spends lot of time in propagating the benefits of heartfulness meditation and is a secretary to the global teacher come guide of heartfulness movement a voluntary organization working towards helping people balance their internal and external lives through the process of heart based meditation he is the zonal coordinator of heartfulness institute chennai metro zone and guides a team of 400 plus heartfulness trainers and hundreds of volunteers in taking the message of heartfulness across spectrum of seekers i am i have attended many of his meetings and also obeyed many of his orders when he used to give whenever he used to present along with the masters of heartfulness is accomplished person who is always in the way of guiding others to realize themselves so on behalf of university college of engineering nagarkoil and the and anna university authorities i welcome you to this five days atal fdp on stress management we are looking forward sir i will hand over the session to you thank you very much thank you exactly i am starting at uh, around 12 o'clock which is almost like the balance between the day and the night and uh, the theme of the seminar being stress management i have uh, taken the topic called uh, 360 degree living what is 360 degree living how does it connect to stress management all that we'll see in the next 45 to 50 minutes and then then i will leave it open for some question answers if uh, we have time at the end uh, since i think many of you have already taken the introductory sittings through the earlier sessions if time permits uh, we will also have a short uh, group meditation session talking to any audience specifically those who are well accomplished in the academic uh, circle 
the challenges are manifold. There is so much of information and knowledge that you already bring to the table. Thanks to the proliferation of uh, internet, everyone today is a self-appointed expert on every topic under the sun. Give me a few minutes, tell me the topic, I'll come back, download a PPT or read a bit about it and then create a spin around uh, that topic. Hence, more than learning, any such uh, session, why session, even our own life, it's more about uh, unlearning. In fact, uh, even excessive information, knowledge gathering can even sometimes lead to stress because it creates a pseudo expertise tag on us and you are expected to know and talk about everything, at least from a select set of people who look up to you. For us not to walk into that mistake and lose the meaning of this session or any of the other sessions or and also even life, we need to understand that uh, every input that comes our way need not necessarily become a learning. Too much of learning also tends to create stress and takes away the fun of a good 360 degree living. Let us say that I give you a jigsaw puzzle, which has about say 100 pieces. And when you put them together, <clears throat> it forms a, a good square, a proper square. And once they are assembled together, you don't see the puzzles anymore, it forms a complete square. But there are about 90 odd participants. Let's say that I break the puzzles and distribute it to many of you in this group. And then I give the work of putting it back as a full square. In all probability, we may not land up getting the whole stuff as a square. Second, a few of you have a few jigsaw puzzles might put them together into a specific shape and say that my puzzle is complete. It might be a smaller square, but it is still a square. All the puzzles put together, if they form what we called as a world view, the few puzzles I have with myself can be called as my view. The puzzles I have can form a square. My view can be sufficient for me to live my life. Absolutely no harm with that. Or I can share my puzzles with a larger group and increase the size of my puzzles, which means I'm increasing my overall knowledge, hopefully leading to some learning. And for this to happen, there are a few things which are uh, necessary. One, <clears throat> I must be open to admit that the puzzles I have with me, which 
which are like the knowledge that they currently possess, may not be sufficient to create a larger puzzle or a larger square. And for that, I must be ready to extend my hand and work with others who either have better knowledge in a given field or they have knowledge in a different field in which I am not that much exposed. Maybe I'm good at physics, I don't know max, or maybe I'm good at max, I don't know literature, stuff like that. But all these, again, taking the puzzles of knowledge from others, again, also can tend to become meaningless if we really are not clear what we intend doing with this knowledge. It's a very simple concept, but not many of us seriously pay much of heed to that is knowledge which is not put into practice does not give you much of learning. I can be a bookworm, repeat ad nauseum everything from a book in a classroom, either as a teacher or as a student. Create a good impression that I am a good student or a good teacher. All you are doing is nothing but you are becoming a memory reproduction unit. Not even a CPU, maybe just an MPU, memory reproduction unit. Would that suffice? I need to be clear of my life goals for me to make meaning of any session. Otherwise, what is likely to happen is you tend to take notes or maybe not. Fill up all your diaries and notepads and uh, maybe if you're typing it out in computer, you make your own uh, word file. And then it goes down to the bottom of the file and you continue to do what you're currently doing. For this to happen, we must be ready to be open to receive perspectives which are beyond our current grasp of reach. There's a famous uh, saying in Tamil by Avayar, what we know, what I have learned till now is hardly a fistful of sand or particles inside my hand. And what I don't know, still what I don't know is the size of the universe. Which means I must be open to the perspectives that are coming towards me. And it is not essential that you pick up all the perspectives. Not all the puzzle pieces can make up the bigger square. Some of them may be borrowed from another puzzle which might not fit into this puzzle. Hence, earlier sessions, this session, the future sessions, or even the rest of your life. While you are going through life itself, the experience itself is a big teacher. Such sessions, you get a summary of a person who has gone through a lot. And they summarize and present the whole thing in about 40 to 45 minutes. Like the famous sage Agastir did bring the river into his commandal, what he had in his hand. In this 45 minutes, whatever I share is based on my own experiences. And if you're open to take these experiences as your knowledge, my experience cannot directly become your experience, but it can become your knowledge and you put it into practice for a period of time. It becomes an experience and hopefully a lifelong learning. So in this session, maybe there are one or two points which might appeal to you. I might be sharing overall about five to six major points in this session and then 
give certain inputs on why these points make uh, some sense to you. Out of the six or seven points, you may pick up one or two. It's my humble request that uh, pick up just at least one or two and practice them for about 30 to 45 days seriously. Because learning is also about unlearning, as I mentioned in the beginning. And unlearning, the main thing to do in unlearning is to drop off habits which are not productive anymore in my life journey. While as a kid, what I did, which became a habit, which consumed my daily time, may not be productive anymore at this current age. What I'm currently doing, which is occupying my time, which is what habit is all about. Anything which consumes your time repeatedly is a habit. And if those habits don't take me where I want to go in my life, they have to be dropped out. But the biggest unlearning, based on my own experience, is your ability to drop off habits which are not useful to you anymore. We are all prisoners of habits. And these habits were created by ourselves. And for that to happen, you need to look at your 24 hours and find which are the habits which are not useful in taking you forward in your life. And then be ready to drop them so that the new knowledge that you pick up by putting them into repetitive practice can become your experience and by repetitive use, it can become a habit. And hence my request to you, even if you pick up one or two points, you may pick up six or seven points, prioritize them, take one or two, that would suffice. Next 30 to 45 days, preferably 45 days, you know, we all have this culture in Tamil Nadu, at least one mandala, which is 48 days. Practice it because even the religious scriptures prescribe one mandala of 48 days of practice because by the time you do those uh, ritualistic stuff, which are mainly to imbibe certain uh, characters, positive characters in you. Hopefully by the end of 45, 48 days, it might have become a habit which you will continue to use. By any chance, any of the inputs which I'm sharing are already being used by you. Wonderful. Ask me later for more uh, habits I will share after the session is over as a QMT. But in case you do find certain insights, please go ahead and imbibe them by practicing them. Just noticing them down in paper does not help. As they say in Tamil, just because I write the name of a vegetable on a paper, it cannot become a vegetable by itself. What is 360 degree? When I said 360 degree living <clears throat> and how it relates to stress management, the topic being 360 degree living and the theme is stress management. What is 360 degree living? Basic mathematics will tell you that when I start from zero degree and come back a full circle, I have completed 360 degrees. Does it mean that I come back to where I started? Not at all. Imagine that you have a school reunion 20 years uh, later from the time you get out of the school in your plus two. When you come back after 20 years, many times you'll find that uh, the classroom appears very small. Things have completely changed. They are still the same, but they've changed in our view. What has happened in these 20 years is uh, in our life journey, 
we have changed so much with or without our knowledge. And when we come back to the starting point, it looks as if I have tremendously changed, hopefully grown. So a 360 degree living typically means a complete travel of a life cycle again and again and again. The shorter the cycle, the better we tend to grow. You might ask how. Instead of keeping a 20-year cycle, if you, the so-called New Year resolution, we have a New Year coming up shortly. In your New Year resolution, normally we all resolve, which we never normally follow. If you resolve something and then practice it for a year, for the next year before you resolve something new, you being the same person physically, might be you would have also evolved there a bit. <clears throat> Look at the changes that have happened in you. So 360 degree living is to ensure that the time that we spend, a clock actually takes the 360 degree twice a day when it completes the 12 hour cycle twice. There's so much that can happen. And the idea is to fill this 360 degree, whether it's one day or one month or one year unit of time, with so much of meaning that our life transforms. What are the connection between that and the stress management? You may be wondering. I have the same eyes, but after one year, how we see things are different. After this session, you have the same brain, maybe a different mind, but you will see stress in a different way. See, we are the only, maybe the species in the world, in this universe, who has a suffix called as being. We are human beings. You don't call an animal an animal being. You don't call a tree a plant being. We just call them animal and a plant. The fundamental reason is we know how to be. Are we being is a different question. We'll come to that later. If we just transit our life on this earth, the way plants and animals do, eat, sleep, eat, sleep, eat, sleep. That's what they're doing, of course, they procreate. There's absolutely no difference and we are not being like animals and plants, we can just be called as humans. We lose our right to be called human being. What makes us a human being? The foundation of a human being begins with our ability to think. Homo sapiens, or they separate as they say, you know, people who can think. Do we really think? True thinking, according to Swami Vivekananda, who was 
Narendra Kumar Datta, who became Swami Vivekananda, Viveka Ananda, because he was able to use the ability to think, discriminate, and attain bliss in his life. Einstein famously said, very surprisingly, that if a man thinks once a year, it's a great achievement. It's it was a slap on my face literally when I read it long, long ago. If a man thinks once a year, man here is a neutral gender, man thinks once a year. And what do you mean? You mean to say I am not thinking? I got meaning out of this when I read the works of uh, a person who is considered the father of philosophy, James Williams, who lived in the 19th century. In the 1880s, the first book that he uh, published, which is available as a PDF file on the net, runs to about 800-900 pages. He beautifully defines about what thinking is not. Many times, instead of defining something as it is, it's much easier for us to define what it is not. Even the thought Sanskrit, they do, you know, they say, anathi, anathi means this is not, this is not in the search of God or in the search of truth. He beautifully defines saying what thinking is not. He says people confuse thinking with reminiscence and contemplation. Very simply put, we are living in the past, either about the good things that have happened to us or the bad things that have happened to us. And we are just churning it all over our head. Or we are thinking about a future, either worried about the future or looking to a bright future, contemplation. And in the process, we think that we are thinking, but we are actually not thinking. He also beautifully defined saying, People confuse thinking with reorganization of thoughts. The same thought I have, it moves around in my head in multiple locations and I think I am thinking. True thinking is something that begins, though it doesn't end there, when you use the ability to discriminate, viveka, ability to discriminate. Even there, the basic ability to discriminate is about what is right, what is wrong, what is good, what is bad, who is a good person, who is a bad person, things like that. But it doesn't end there. True Viveka, according to our masters, Raji has beautifully explained this once, that true Viveka is when you are able to think of the cause, not the effect. Effect is the result of our thinking and doing. Hence, thinking about the effect, if you think about the cause, what should I do to cause this to happen? Instead of asking, why did this happen to me? Which is looking at the effect. You start using your faculty, which is God-given, only to this species for the first time. If you are taught about 
what is causing stress. In all probability, 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago, you might have found out. And once you find it, you will learn what is living instead of worrying. Stress is also a misdirected thought. Or stress is a byproduct of a misdirected thought. Worries precede stress and worry is a misdirected thought. And that comes out of our inability to look at the cause of why this is happening. That is the fundamental faculty of a human being. And once you learn to master this ability to discriminate, there are several tools available. And uh, one of the best tools that is available for people who understand uh, Ashtanga Yoga and Heartfulness Meditation is to regulate thinking by the process of meditation. Focus becomes an automatic byproduct. You can hold your thought onto one thing, one simple thing continuously. That's what meditation teaches you to start with. When you regulate your thinking, you transcend at some point of time the thinking itself and move in and understand what is causing this thinking. If I am thinking there is something which has to cause the thinking. And then we start feeling the presence of that which you want to call the source, the God, nature, whatever you want to call it, which is creating these thoughts in me. When I do that consistently, I move from thinking to feeling. I start feeling. I start feeling the source, which is the creation of everything, which is creating me and my thoughts too. We'll come to that a little bit later when we speak about the uh, concept of the three bodies a little bit. When I have moved from my ability to think to ability to feel, I have taken the second big step of 360-degree living. When I am able to feel, instead of just thinking and worrying, I am able to feel the cause of all this. I am able to feel the creation itself. Then, I get the next step unfolding in front of me. If there is something that is creating this creation, thought being one of them inside me, and I'm able to feel it, can I become that itself? Instead of me feeling something, can I become that which I am feeling? You take to the next level, and then you, over a period of time, through the help of pranavati, cleaning, prayer, and all those stuffs that you would have heard in the last couple of days, we move into the stage of becoming. You acquire all the qualities of that which is the creation itself. And at some point of time, magically you transcend where the drop of water merges with the ocean or the ocean merges with the drop of water and becoming now moves on to being. 
A true 360 degree living is when through multiple iterations of the circular life, instead of getting stuck in the circle, I start spiraling upwards. You all know the concept of spiral. They are circles, but layering one after another at a different dimension, not necessarily vertical. At some point of time, I attain the state of consciousness which is the same as the creator. When I do that, I have transcended a simple concept of just as another human to actually becoming a human being who is now a divine being. How does it connect back to stress management? Let's now decipher each point separately and have a look. Living also can be defined as to be, to be alive, to have life, continue in life and to experience. When we learn how to experience life, when we learn how to continue in life, when we learn how to be alive in each situation, stress literally becomes non-existent. In a very famous uh, movie 50 years ago, there was a famous uh, Tamil director who showed the fundamental concept of how to shorten a line without rubbing it off. The students all break their head. There is one bright student who draws a much, much, much bigger line next to that. Without rubbing off the smaller line, which was a normal line earlier, by drawing a bigger line, he was able to actually make that line shorter. So when you shift your focus from the so-called stress to 360 degree living. Stress becomes non-existent, at least for you. I also have a few different views on stress. Let me share them and then connect back the dots for you. Stress comes from the basic need to survive. Survival of the lowest need of food, shelter, and water. Intellectual survival. Survival in the society. Survival in the family. When a student doesn't respect you, for you it's a question of survival. You feel belittled or you feel disrespected. Or you feel that if students don't respect you, you might lose your job or you might lose your importance. And hence we get worked up. And that bottled up emotions come out as stress. This is one aspect. If you leave just living as a human and become a human being, you transcend the need to just survive. Let me give you another twist to this. 
Why should we actually run away from stress? If a doctor says you have no blood pressure, which is a wrongly understood term, you will actually be dead. Systolic and diastolic measures are there. When it crosses a threshold, we understand that it's a blood pressure is high or low, which is not healthy. For an automobile to function, for many of the mechanical apparatus, machines to function, basic friction is a must. Without friction, there is not much of movement. Likewise, a fundamental stress is essential for us not to become completely inactive. The law of karma says that you have to keep acting all the time, not acting as in movie, but acting as in doing action. And for that to happen, you need to get up and do something physically also which means without friction, you can't even walk. Imagine walking in moon where the gravity is one sixth of what it is. One step, you'll go six times longer. So a little bit of a stress actually is something which is essential to keep us driving. Otherwise, we'll all tend to become vegetables. Let me look at Another aspect of what uh, stress is, I mentioned that while speaking about 360 degree living, it's our ability to look at the cause of everything instead of looking at the effects, discriminate and work and take action based on costs. If you look at stress itself, what is the root cause of stress? In any management, you have the five-way techniques. Going to the root of the issue, RCA or root cause analysis. Many times when I've done this session with students, with corporate executives, with the college teachers and professors like you, the root cause of stress in a few steps is understood as the fear of death itself. Let me explain. I am stressed because somebody is asking me to do something or perform something. And then this thought comes, what if I don't do this? If I do it, I may be rewarded. But if I don't do it, I may be reprimanded. Repetitive reprimands might mean a demotion. Multiple demotions might mean that I may lose the job. If I lose the job, I may not have the basic economic structure to take care of my family or even myself. I lose my face in society. I can't even live. Suicidal thoughts run in my head. And finally, I die. If you really look at the root cause of, one of the root causes of stress is the fear of death. How does it help me or help you by understanding the root cause of stress? Einstein's famous quote says, give the man an ability to think and that is the biggest gift you would have given him for his lifetime. 
if at all, if I'm giving you the biggest gift today is the ability to ask questions. Why am I stressed? What am I afraid of? Am I afraid of my teacher? Am I afraid of my students? Or am I afraid of my HOD who's going to ask me questions? I did a very interesting survey when I agreed to speak. I have a big presence in LinkedIn, so I ran a poll. LinkedIn has only four options max to run a poll. There are hundreds of responses which came in. The question I asked them was simple, just to see what the learned people have to say on this topic. I asked them what causes stress. There were four responses that were given. One was others' expectations of us. The second option was our ego. The third option was work-related pressure. And the fourth option was incompetence to do the assigned work. Surprisingly, three of them were almost on tie. Others' expectations, my ego, and work-related pressure almost got 27% each. Neck and neck finish. And incompetence to do the assigned work got 19%. Sort of the few hundred votes that were cast. When, let's look at these four causes, which apparently according to many learned people are the four causes of stress. It is not the work itself which is killing us, but the output of the work, which becomes an expectation which is creating the stress. That's what others' expectations mean. I'm doing so much of work, but I'm not getting the necessary rewards or the results. That is creating stress. As a solution to this, uh, if you look at uh, what uh, Lord Krishna mentioned in the Gita, we all have complete control on the inputs, our efforts. We have no control on the deliverables or the output. This is something that I share in all my corporate sessions. Circle of influence, circle of concern. Circle of influence is the area where I can do what I can do. For example, you are a teacher. You can prepare yourself to the best, to deliver the best of session every time when you go to a classroom, in person or virtual. There, there's no need to compromise. The only compromise you make is because you don't give your best. That's up to you. But what happens when I actually deliver the session? Whether the students have learned something from it or not, whether they're happy with it or not, whether I'll be given a thumbs up rating or not. It's called a circle of concern. I have no control on the output. Hence, as a solution to the first question in the poll, others' expectations causing stress, please bear in mind that focus on your efforts so much that you are a master at putting the effort for every session that you do in your class or in your work or 
whatever be the field of your choice. As a cricket batsman, the best I can prepare is to go and face the ball and do my best. I may play it properly. Maybe by mistake, I may be run out because the partner on the other side may not run properly. Or I may be given out by mistake by the umpire and I have no DRS to ask for leg before wicket. You have absolutely no control. There is no point in fretting and fuming on that. That causes apparently stress. But if you focus a lot on the input, stress almost becomes non-existent. The second point, which uh, got 27%, is one of the root cause of stress is ego, our ego. I am big. I am great. I am a good teacher. How can I fail? Again, if you look at uh, Gita or even look at heartfulness, shifting from the aspect of a doer to that of a witness. This is what happens when you go through the process of 360 degree living from thinking to feeling to becoming to being. Then you finally understand that as one of the famous comedy scenes go in one of the Tamil movies, you are not even capable of pulling out a nail from the ball. We are at best capable of putting in the efforts. Whether the nail comes out of the wall or not, I don't know. What if the nail is stuck into the wall onto something else which is much beyond my power or my reach? If you look at ego, if you, by the process of meditation again, or by any other method in which you can expand your consciousness, like what Lord Krishna mentioned in Gita, if you become the witness to what you are doing, not a doer, a witness, you are not stressed when you are watching something on the road. Two people are going, maybe two people are fighting or not known to you. We just witness. Why is it that when something happens to us, we get carried away and get hurt? Can't I become a witness? Difficult, but not impossible. The third uh, vote in LinkedIn they gave was work-related pressure, which again got 27%. The pressure put by my peers, by my boss, by my institution, by the society, by my family, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. Cannot take you anywhere. If you look at the three points which I spoke, others' expectations, my ego and work-related pressure, they're all in some way interwoven. Work-related pressure is always about output. It's not about input. Nobody ever comes and asks you why you didn't prepare well. They only ask you why you spoiled the session or the class. When somebody comes and says, please scale up, for me it is not stress, it is pleasure. They say that Prakash, prepare yourself better. And they tell me how to do it. Imagine some of the teachers among you, maybe such ones who are very supportive of students to scale up. Instead of finding fault with them, you tell them, can you approach your study this way? Can you prepare this way? 
i will help you take the focus from why is it that kids are so happy when they are playing and when they come back and pick up a book they are highly stressed it's because while they are playing it's fun whereas while doing your work while you are having fun there is no expectation of an output but output happens while having fun the game gets played you win you lose everything is still taken in the strike so one of the key element to overcome stress is to do everything joyfully knowing well that i am only the doer and a witness and the output is not in my hand and hence lowering the expectation to as close to zero as possible if you ask me if it is possible in my own cases many 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 years ago when i started my sales career i used to be highly worked up when orders didn't come the way in which i wanted it to come for the efforts i put in for a period of time specifically after i joined happiness in 92 i understood that what the client does or what the client orders it respective of the best inputs i give is not in my hands the day i understood that could have been about 20 30 years ago i started enjoying the work i do i do a lot of work i work almost 17 18 hours a day but i am not stressed because for me it's fun the talk that i'm giving you is fun it's joy it's because i am giving the best of what i can whether you accept whether you change because of this whether you go back and practice is not in my hands at best i become a witness to that and see okay there are about 90 or people who attended maybe a few benefited a few didn't i am not being philosophical i am being practical a cook at best can make the best of recipes and put the right ingredients and hope that the person who's tasting it likes it that's all they don't like it it's okay make another dish you are not going to die anyway the date of exit is fixed so the root cause of stress is fear of death as they say in tamil the person who is afraid dies every moment the person who is fearless dies only once when the call comes that may be right now after one year after 100 years god knows and i don't care if i have lived 360 degree of my life and for me to live 360 degree of my life there are three tools that are available to me which is god given the body the mind and the soul bms as i would call it. like the story of the golden goose i can lose the goose by cutting it open to look for the eternal golden egg inside or i can nurture and maintain and grow this goose which is my body properly if you had known the chemicals called as the happy chemicals or happy hormones in our body by just letting the happy hormones work for you oxytocin serotonin endorphin dopamine these are all happy chemicals which get released when you actually 
physically do a lot of work. Many people have lost that art of physical work because we are always moving from meeting to meeting, either in person or in Zoom. Like the earlier session, the presenter shared how you can do yoga and rejuvenate by just sitting where you are. When you take care of your body, periodically, not just once a week, not just once a month, every one hour, a few things that you can do to make your body to be recognized. It releases the happy hormones, the four hormones I spoke about, dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, endorphin. They keep you happy. And in the presence of happiness, normally stress goes away. Have you ever wondered why people who are hardcore laborers who are exposed to the sun, agriculturists who are there in the field for 12 to 14 hours a day, seem to be much more happy than us, stress-free, mainly because they're continuously, with or without the knowledge, creating and using the happy hormones in their body. And for the stress-free living, for the 360-degree living, taking good care of the body by proper exercise, by proper balanced food. When I say balanced food, more of sattvic food, less of rajasic and uh, tamasic food. Tamasic food tends to make you, if you want to know detail about this, I have written a recent book which became a bestseller called The Spiritual CEO. I have, it's available in Amazon, both Kindle and uh, paperback versions. I have dedicated one full chapter about the kind of food, the impact the food has on you. How it alters your thinking. Many times our mood creates happiness or our stress. And one of the influencer of mood is the food that we take. If you know how to balance the intake of food by taking more of sattvic food, sattvic food by definition is more close to nature, less of preparation, less of preservatives, more close to nature plant-based foods, fruits, vegetables, stuff like that. They're nutritious. It still fulfills the taste buds in your tongue. Yet, keeps you happy, keeps your body happy. After all, we have to live in this body or the body will be there till we want to live and then it goes away. Would you want a car which is sputtering and spewing smoke all the time when you drive or would you want a nice clean car as long as you have it? Our body is like that. So one of the 360 degree living mechanism is the abode in which we live, which is our body. By spending more and more time, not in beautifying it externally, but by properly maintaining it could be an indicator, could be a BMI, body mass index, whatever works for you. If you're able to use that, I can vouch from my own personal experience that whenever I have felt a little bit away from day-to-day -day exercises and plunged into a little bit of unhealthy food, I have felt pretty miserable. But once I understood, immediately I shrug it off and come back. I've become quite uh, happy, almost no stress. 
The second is the M or the mind portion. The mind portion, of course, uh, needs a lot of cultivation, like any good crop. The thoughts that we have, we all know that uh, we all have thoughts. Whether we have 100 thoughts a day, 50,000 thoughts a day, 1 million thoughts a day, there are several schools of thought. But it suffices to say that, uh, let's say that you have 100 thoughts a day from the time you get up in the morning till you go to bed in the night. About 95% of the thoughts that you have are a combination of neutral and negative thoughts. Neutral thoughts which have no impact, negative thoughts which create lack of belief and fear in you, very simply put. Less than 5% of the thoughts that we have are positive. What are positive thoughts? Predominantly thoughts based on hope and self-belief. I can do it. I will do it. I am capable of doing I believe in myself. Because the positive thoughts is what creates a positive belief system in you, leading to a creation of a positive attitude. By having negative attitude, you cannot expect to be stress-free. One of the oldest examples you would have read in books for several years, half-class full, half-class empty concept. It depends on how you look, and depends on how you look is determined by what kind of thinking that you have. And that is a work of the mind. And fortunately for us, the mind can be regulated. I wouldn't say controlled, but regulated. Regulated enough for you to plant what you want to plant inside. For you to draw a parallel, in case you have a charcoal in your hand and it, you touch the charcoal in your hand and your hand becomes dirty, to clean the charcoal, the best way is for you to use another petroleum product like kerosene or petrol. Both are fossil fuels. One is a different end, the other is at a higher end. Likewise, for us to befriend mind, we have to use the mind itself. And that is best done. There are several tools available, several tools available, but cost-free, easiest to use is what I would call as meditation. Meditation combined with cleaning, which removes the unwanted thoughts towards the end of the day. Or if you feel heavy thoughts, you can even do spot cleaning. What happens is that uh, you are able to use the power of the mind to remain positive. And in my own personal experience, I can say that uh, I'm a reasonably a positive person. People who know me well will tell you that. It's not that I don't have worries, but before they surface and stress me out, I remove them by replacing them with positive thoughts. There's a famous song in Tamil which says, there are crows and crows of people who are much below in life than what you are. Be happy looking at those who are much more lower than you. Then 
comparing your life with people who are much better off than you. Just for you to get a perspective. The third aspect in BMS is the soul. The most silent aspect, we rarely work on it. We are rarely even aware of it. It's like the long lost pressure chest in our home for which the key is hidden right below or below, but we never look and we are worried about our survival and go around worrying about life itself. If you learn how to work upon the soul by working on the body and the mind, take good care of your body by the principles of Ashtanga Yoga, which I have been shared with you in earlier sessions, I guess. Follow the fundamental principles of life by defining the value systems which come through Yama, Niyama. The body gets regulated through Pranayama and Asana. And then Pratyagara, Dharana, through that you learn to contemplate and find how I can move away from a day-to-day life of just a human and move from being just a human to an actual human being. Just to sum it up for you before I throw it open for question answers. Stress is not something natural to us. It's artificial. Nobody is stressed when they are asleep. Technically speaking, if you are stressed when you are awake, you should be stressed when you are asleep also. Why doesn't it happen? Because we use the faculty of thinking to create the stress, which means the problem is not in something external, but the problem is internal, which is in my head or in my brain or in my mind. By using that mind, we move from a normal human to a thinking human to a feeling human to a human who wants to become and then who moves to the being itself. Understanding and letting ourselves into the realms of real superconsciousness, which is available to all of us. And then we also understood the various uh, causes of stress, how to handle them, how to focus on efforts and not worry about the results, how to understand that the root cause of stress is the fear of death itself. And when we overcome the fear of death by repeatedly meditating and understanding that anyway, we're going to die. The only thing I have absolute control is in giving the best at every moment. We connected all the dots. Hopefully we have understood that like the two lines principle, irrecordable theory concept. By drawing a bigger line of looking at 360 degree living, we move away from the worry to manage about stress. Stress doesn't have to be managed. Maybe our living has to be. And for that, I have given you some inputs and some thoughts and some tools for you to ruminate, brood over and work. I wish you the very best in this journey of life. Hopefully it becomes living for the rest of your life. 
and with a prayer that you become so joyful and that you find more and more meaning and dive deeper into several aspects of life. I offer my thanks uh, to the team which has arranged this FTD program from Nagarpur. I thank all the participants for spending the time patiently listening to the insights. I now hand it over back to the program coordinator if there are any question answers session to be had. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Participants, 